Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. Nevertheless, Saul did not say anything that day, for he thought, He is unclean. And it happened the next day, the second day of the month, that David's place was empty. And Saul said to Jonathan, his son, Why has the son of Jesse not come to eat either yesterday or today? So Jonathan answered Saul, David earnestly asked permission of me to go to Bethlehem. And he said, Please let me go, for our family has a sacrifice in the city, and my brother has commanded me to be there. And now if I have found favor in your eyes... Please let me get away and see my brothers. Therefore, he has not come to the king's table. Then Saul's anger was aroused against Jonathan, and he said to him, now guys, get ready for this, okay? Then, (laughs) Then he said to him, you son of a perverse, rebellious woman. You ever heard that one before? You son of a perverse, rebellious woman. Do I not know? that you have chosen the son of Jesse to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness. For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, you shall not be established, nor your kingdom. Now therefore, send and bring him to me, for he shall surely die. Here's Saul. He shall surely die. Saul that always said, no, 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 he's not going to die. Saul's breaking another promise. Does anybody remember? I mean, you've got to recall what Saul swore just one chapter ago. He said, as the Lord lives, sounding all kingly, all spiritual. Let me just sound right. As the Lord lives, David shall not be killed. And now just one chapter later, he's saying David's got to die. This is a man that has no integrity, has no oneness. He cannot stick by what he says he's going to do. And he's already saying David has to die, even though he had invoked the Lord into his broken promise by saying, by saying, as surely as the Lord lives, as surely as the Lord lives, he will not die. He used the name of the Lord. Now he's already going against it. That's what you call grandstanding. But look at verse 30. It says that Saul's anger was aroused. James 1. Now this is, guys, oh, guys, please, we got to get, get this down, especially during these times. There's a lot of anger going on in the world today and a lot of finger pointing and a lot of blaming and you did this and you did that. James 1 says that the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You cannot do righteous things when you're mad. When you're angry, you can't, you can't do anything godly. So you got to get control of your temper. And so in Saul's anger, he's so angry that he verbally abuses his own son in front of everybody. Hey, have you ever been cut down and verbally abused in front of people? It doesn't feel good, does it? Nobody likes that. It's embarrassing. It shames the person that you're jumping on. And he did that to his own son. But yet again, he is going to work against the will of God. You know, Saul forgot his former smallness 
He forgot how small he once was. That crown that Saul had on his head, that crown was given to him. He didn't get that himself. God gave that to him on here. Saul, take that. He was given that crown. He didn't get it. And now Saul forgot where he got it from. He got it from the very one, the very God that he's working against. 1 Samuel 20 and verse 32. And Jonathan answered Saul his father and said to him, Why should he be killed? Guys, we need to recognize how brave a moment this is for Jonathan. He's standing up to his dad. Why should he be killed? What has he done? Then Saul cast a spear at him to kill him. What? He threw a spear to try to to kill him by which Jonathan knew that it was determined by his father to kill David. So Jonathan arose from the table in fierce anger and ate no food in the second day of the month, for he was grieved for David because his father had treated him shamefully. Now, guys, that right there is what you call a showdown between father and son. That took guts. Now, back when I read verse 9, I saw that Jonathan was really trying to give Saul the benefit of the doubt. No, 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 my dad's not trying to kill you. It's all right. But now, all benefit of that doubt, all that doubt is gone. It is gone. Now, I got to give credit to Jonathan. I really do. Because he finally stood up to his abusive father. He stood up to him. This may be the first time he really did it like this. And you would think that after all the explicit words that Saul dumped all over Jonathan, that he would at least be able to answer the question that Jonathan asked him. Jonathan asked him, what has he done? What did he do? What is David's sin against you that you're so mad? And Saul's answer to that was to throw a spear at him. That's how you're going to answer that question? Wow. Jonathan now knows that Saul's excuse for Jonathan becoming the next king was just a bunch of fluff. He says, oh, as long as David is around, you can't be established. You can't have a kingdom. You know, when I think about this, if Saul would try to kill his own son, then surely David was on his hit list too. Saul tried to peg Jonathan with a spear, but Jonathan now pegged Saul with the truth. Now he knows what's going on. 1 Samuel 20, verse 35. And so it was in the morning that Jonathan went out to the field at the time appointed with David, and a little lad was with him. Then he said to his lad, Now run, find the arrows which I shoot. As the lad ran, he shot an arrow beyond him. When the lad had come to the place where the arrow was which Jonathan had shot, Jonathan cried out after the lad and said, Is not the arrow beyond you. Y'all remember the signal, guys? He said, is not the arrow beyond you? And Jonathan cried out after the lad, make haste, hurry, do not delay. So Jonathan's lad gathered up the arrows and came back to his master. But the lad did not know anything. Only Jonathan and David knew of the matter. Then Jonathan gave his weapons to his lad and said to him, go, carry them to the city. As soon as the lad had gone, David arose from a place toward the south, fell on his face to the ground, and bowed three times. And they kissed one another, and they wept together, but David more so. Then Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, since we have both sworn in the name of the Lord, saying, May the Lord be between you and me, 
and between your descendants and my descendants forever. So he rose and departed, and Jonathan went into the city. Sad moment for these guys. This had to be a very tough situation for for Jonathan, more so for David, it says. It's obvious, though, that friendship with Saul is impossible. It's not going to happen. It's a lot like friendship with the world. This is something for us to think about from this story. Now that the story illustrated it, I want, I want it to paint a picture. You can't have friendship with the world and with the Lord. It's impossible. It can't be done. Well, I want everybody to like me. Then you're hostile to the Lord. Scripture says so. You can't be friends with both. Christian, have you ever noticed the world hates you? You ever see, You ever detected that? I mean, just for being a believer in Jesus, even by people that claim to be a Christian themselves, they hate you for it. And you know that they are. You know why? Because the world no more wants you here than Saul wanted David. Saul didn't want David around. The world doesn't want you around. Well, I want everybody to like me. Guys, look, if you're going to give yourself to Jesus, you give yourself all into Jesus. You can't expect the whole world to like you. That's why it's very important to get into the body of Christ, into the assembly of believers. They will love you. They will accept you and build you up. The world won't. The world will reject you and tear you down. You know the difference between the two. It's night and day. It's clear as anything. So make your choice on where you're going to be. But Jonathan, he had vowed, he wanted David's friendship. He had vowed his loyalty to him. And it was a bond of loyalty that would never be broken. Now, according to Saul, Jonathan should have become the next king. That's what Saul wanted, that Jonathan would take the throne. Because Saul felt that David threatened Jonathan from taking the throne. And I don't know why Saul thought that hitting Jonathan with a spear was any less threatening to Jonathan than David was. I mean, <laughs> when you're when you're mad, you you don't you do things that don't make any sense. If if Jonathan's supposed to inherit the throne, why'd you try to kill him, Saul? And so I want us to look at the relationship between these three men, between David, Jonathan, and Saul. Jonathan got to a point where he doubted David because he didn't believe David's claim that Saul was trying to kill him. And Jonathan actually spoke against David in this matter, saying, my father doesn't do anything without me knowing about it first. Why would, I, why would he hide it if he was trying to kill you? Okay, guys, I want, us to, I want you to notice that David, David did not abandon Jonathan for saying this. Like, Jonathan, really? You you don't think he's trying to kill me? He's thrown a spear at me several times. Why can't you see this? What, you know what, Jonathan? If you don't agree with me, why don't you just hit the road and get out of here? Why don't you just leave? If that's the kind of friend you're going to be, then I don't need you. That's the kind of friendship we have today. That's what people do today. David did not say this. He could have. Now, some of us probably would have told Jonathan, if you don't believe me, then leave. But what did David do? It says he took a new oath. With Jonathan, very important. You know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of when I had doubts about the Lord Jesus Christ in my sin, and I actually spoke against him. And guess what, guys? Jesus did not abandon me. Jesus did not tell me to leave. He very well could have. He could have, but he did not. What did Jesus do? Jesus made a covenant with me. Matthew 26 and 28 says, For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is a promise, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. Guys, that remission of sins is what saved my life from 
destruction. Because if there were no remission for my sins, I would have died eternally under that sin. Jesus came to die for your sins to pay the death penalty that your sins produced so that you could be spared. Your life could be spared eternally from that consequence, from that penalty. So now remember, why was Jonathan so intent to enter into a new covenant with David? Why was he trying to get under that? Because he knew there could only be one king. There can only be one king. The king's enemies, any king's rivalries, any rivalries hostile to the throne would be killed off. They were going to be killed. And that's why Jonathan wanted that new covenant saying, do not cut off your kindness from my house forever. No, not when the Lord has cut off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. Guys, do y'all realize that God actually does this sort of thing? Oh, my God would not do that. Well, not the God you made up, but the God of the Bible would. He does that. And so we can see how Jonathan wanted his life to be spared from that wrath. Now, Jonathan's support towards David was not only based on friendship. Jonathan understood the Lord's divine hand upon David, and anyone that stood against that would be cut off by God. It would be cut off and destroyed, rivalry to that throne. And so that put a fear in Jonathan. It scared him to do what? To get under a new covenant as quickly as he could. To get under that covenant fast, real fast. Friend, I want you to understand something. That in your life, there can only be one king. Just one king. And anyone who rejects Jesus as Lord will be cut off. I have biblical proof of this. John 3.16. Everybody knows John 3.16, but not many people know what's just right past it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Wow, that's serious. See, God will condemn those who challenge the throne. Now, like Jonathan said, the Lord God will cut off all the enemies of the king. Now, the best thing that you can do, as far as you and I are concerned, and I'm, I'm trying to give you the gospel of Jesus here, the best thing that you can do is to gain a healthy fear of what will happen to you if you don't get under the new covenant of King Jesus as fast as you can. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The first wise thing you can do, like David exercised that godly wisdom, is to get under that blood covenant that Jesus talked about. Get under that covenant as quickly as you can, right now, fast. Too many people are making the same mistake that Saul made. They were trying to rule kingdoms that do not belong to them. Saul did not build that kingdom. God gave it to him. Saul did not gain that crown himself. The Lord gave it to him, and now he was all puffed up, thinking it was all his to do with as he pleased. It wasn't. It was the Lord's. Saul forgot his smallness. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The humble. Remember David, your servant, he called himself. That's humility. 
People today are trying to build up kingdoms of materialism and wealth, and they're forgetting about when they were small, when it was God that gave them what they have. Friend, let me tell you something. God gave you what you have, not the government. Not the government, not gold, not guns. The three G's? No. The one big G? God. He gave that all to you. And people are in such severe denial of actually what's going on here today, thinking that everything they have is theirs, that they need to build it, and I need to pass it to my son. And and they don't realize they're actually rivaling against God's will, that you're supposed to take what you've been given by God and use it in his kingdom. And Jesus had to make this new covenant to firmly say, I value our friendship, but you have got to listen to me. Just like David said to Jonathan, the Lord will allow no rivalries to compete against Jesus's rule. Let's say that again. It's too big. The Lord will allow no rivalries to compete against Jesus's rule. There will be only one king, just one. Guys, there's only one president at a time. There's only one king of every nation. There's only one king. You can't be king and Jesus king. You can't say, yeah, I gave my life to Jesus, but I'm going to keep running my life my way. You can't be king and him. It's him or it's you. It's one or the other. It's not both. Are you in danger of being a rival against King Jesus? Don't let yourself become that. There will only be one king. And all of Jesus' enemies who reject his right to rule will eventually be taken out, killed, removed from the face of the earth. But you have been given a choice. Oh, Ray, you're scaring me. I know. <laughs> That's fear of the Lord, I hope. But there's a choice you have in the matter. Don't you like having a choice? That's the freedom you have. That's your free will. You've been given a choice in how you'll be killed off. I said all rivalries will be killed. But you get a choice on how. I already told you and read you that he who does not believe is condemned already. But the better choice is found in Galatians 2, verse 20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Crucified with Christ. Ray Jensen, this guy here, uh, a number of years ago, was a different guy. (laughs) That guy died. Those of you that know me from way back when, high school and whenever, that guy's dead, okay? What do you mean? That guy was crucified with Christ, and he no longer lives. The only reason you see this flesh body moving and talking at all is because Christ lives in me. That's how it works. I died. All rivalries will be killed, but you get the choice on how and when. You're either going to get thrown into condemnation forever for your rivalry, saying no to Jesus, rejecting him, shaking your fist at him, I will not have it, I will be king, or you can bow in humility and lowliness, call yourself a servant, and you can die with Christ, be crucified with Christ, and you can be saved. We have all been enemies of the Lord. There's something I want to point out. Well, Ray, you're a pastor. You're so perfect and wonderful. No, I'm not. I have sinned, but I am declared not guilty because I have the Lord Jesus. That's a big difference. I'm just trying to show you how to get what what I got through Jesus Christ so you can be saved. 
and all the enemies will be taken out. But the question is, will you be like Jonathan and submit to the will of the Lord, or will you be taken out by being cast into the lake of fire for rejecting? We have all sinned. Guys, we've all sinned. For those of you who are out there saying, I'm not as good as you, I'm not as perfect as you, I'm not as righteous as the pastors are. No, stop that thinking. It's not, you're being lied to. It's deception. I sinned. I have sinned too. You're thinking, but you haven't sinned as bad as me, Ray. Well, you you don't know what I've done either. (laughs) We've all sinned, okay? So go ahead and jump in here with me and realize that both you and I both need the Lord's forgiveness and we can all be saved, all of us. I want to make that clear because a lot of people don't believe they're good enough or they've messed up too bad. No, we're all sinners. We all need his, his grace. We've all sinned, but you know, one way or another, you're going to die. You're, I don't mean a physical death. I'm talking spiritual. You're either going to be cast, either cast in the lake of fire, or you're going to be crucified with Christ. One way or another, you're going to die. But just like Jonathan, he quickly gave up his kingdom. He gave up his kingdom to get underneath a life-saving covenant with David. Friend, I strongly urge you, with everything I got, please hear me. I strongly urge you to get under the covenant that Jesus Christ offers you. Get under that covenant fast. It's a covenant that will spare your life for all eternity. But make no mistake about it, God's enemies are going down. His enemies will fall. Jesus offers you the way out. Now, Jonathan gave up his kingdom for the love of David. Will you give up? your kingdom for the love of Jesus. Philippians 1.21, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. I hope you understand that verse now. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. To die means I live in Jesus. I have been crucified with Christ. That is a big win. <laughs> it's not a loss. A lot of people say, well, if I get saved, I lose all the party and I do. Hey, there's a bigger party in heaven coming that you you don't even have anything to compare to. It's going to be so great. Stop thinking about what's down here. Give your life to Jesus. I just want you to know you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you. Give your life to Jesus. Follow me in prayer. I can't pray it for you, but if you will believe, you'll be saved. Father God, I have sinned. I messed up. Father, forgive me for the sin, for the rivalry to your throne that I have done. Father, I give my life to you. No more me. I must decrease while you must increase. I now realize the things you gave me are not my kingdom. It's your kingdom for me to use for you. Change my heart, Lord God, and thank you. I believe that you were crucified. I believe that God raised you from the dead, and I declare you Lord. That means you are now the boss. That means I now do what you say. I believe in you, Jesus. Thank you for dying in my place for me so that I could be saved. I accept your free gift of eternal life, and thank you. I will follow you, and I will trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just uh, prayed that for the first time, (laughs) preached it. I preached it if you prayed it. (laughs) If you just prayed that for the first time, please let me know. Send me an email. Go to setforliferadio.com and let me know that you made Jesus your Lord today. Thank you for listening. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. 
We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.